Instant Reaction Podcast. HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you after an embarrassing showing in the Citrus Bowl for the Iowa Hawkeyes. 35 to nothing. Tennessee with the win over Iowa. Uh, not a ton to say about this, so this this podcast probably won't be too long. Um, I guess we start with the, the positive, and that's ding dong, the Brian Ferentz era is dead. Um, Brian Ferentz will no longer be the offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, the big question will be how much the offense will actually change with a new offensive coordinator, expecting an announcement to come on a hiring in that position in the next several weeks. Uh, and we'll have time to cover that as as we move forward. And uh, it'll be interesting to hear what Kirk Ferentz says after this game, uh, what he is asked by reporters. I don't expect uh, to learn a lot. Eight years ago, Tennessee blew out Iowa in a bowl game, and it really felt like maybe the end of the Kirk Ferentz era, like something had to drastically change. And... It resulted in eight pretty dang good years of football after that, including a 12-0 regular season the very next year. And so turnarounds have happened before, and, um, you know, we'll see if this loss to Tennessee can spark another uh, rise. The tough thing is, as we've talked about all season, is there's not a whole lot. Uh, there, there's not a whole lot of room to grow from a 10-4 and season. It's another 10-win season. That feels flat. It's another 10-win season um, that is unsatisfying, and that's a tough place to be because you you want you want to win, and 10 wins is enough for an Iowa program for the most part historically. That should be satisfying, but to be shut out against the three good teams you played all season, uh, it's just it's unacceptable. I mean, there's no point in in beating a dead horse other than uh, just talking about some stats and some things that uh, have come out since the end of this game already. Just kind of incredible stats that I've I've compiled a bunch of, and we'll uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, some other I guess silver linings. Tory Taylor uh, with the all-time season uh, record for punting yards. That's going to be a record that will not be broken for a long time. It was a long-standing record. He broke it with his first punt of the day. And uh, how many punts did uh, did Torrey have today? Torrey punted seven times for 360 yards, an average of 51.4. Uh, so that's going to put that record pretty far out of reach, I think, for a while. So, hey, we have the king of all punters and Torrey Taylor. Uh, what a career he had. Great way to wrap that up and, uh, and, and happy for him. It was nice to see Marco Linas. A little bit. Uh, it was, you know, just nice to see somebody else at quarterback. And then when Linus was out there, it was nice to see what he was able to do with his feet. Not a whole lot uh, in the passing game. Clearly, he's not ready to go when it comes to that. A lot of the running was scrambling, running for his life with an offensive line that at that point had become a sieve. Uh, Marco Linus does end the game as I was leading rusher. Six carries, 51 yards, and eight and a half yard average along of 16 I think he had two 16 yard runs those were Iowa's two longest plays of the day Caleb Johnson with 34 yards rushing uh, on seven carries he was Iowa's second leading rusher LaShawn Williams got a lot of uh, a lot of attempts but wasn't able to really do anything Terrell Washington Jr. had a nice 14 yard run early in the game uh, before 
Deacon Hill threw an interception into the end zone that ended Iowa's best chance uh, to score on the day. And, you know, the the elephant in the room is, is Deacon Hill, and he seems like a good dude and a good leader and a nice guy. And I hope he finds uh, whatever he's meant to do in life. That's not to be a quarterback of a Division One team. Certainly not at this stage. Um, he had a, another bad game. And he was 7 of 18, 56 yards, an average of 3.1 yards per completion. He threw two interceptions, one in the end zone on a really, really bad throw. A throw you just can't make on third down in a early in a game that's gonna be that you hope is gonna be low scoring. You can't make that decision. Uh he did through the interception and then through the pick six late in the game that ultimately ended his day uh, and brought Marco Linus in. Another bad throw, a bad read, just a throw you can't make in any situation, even if you're down twenty one nothing with no hope of coming back. And had the fumble, the the strip sack at the two-yard line, which led to another Tennessee touchdown pretty immediately. And so, you know, the the thing you could always say about Spencer Petras, regardless of how bad some of his throws looked or his footwork or how many three-and-outs in a row he would lead Iowa to, he wasn't turning the ball over very much. Uh, Deacon Hill was a turnover machine, and it wasn't just the three today. Um Again, those are some of the stats we'll look at here in just a little bit. But rough day for Deacon Hill. Rough day for the Iowa offense as a whole. And uh, just, yeah, I guess, a fitting way to go out for Brian Ferentz um, in what has just become, understandably, the laughing stock of college football. I mean, the announcers, they had an SEC bias for sure, and it was always going to be a little bit annoying, I think. Uh, but they... They were really leaning into how bad Iowa's offense is. But again, how can you blame them? Iowa's offense is that bad. Caleb Brown had three catches for 39 yards. A couple of big drops um, that didn't help. Wouldn't have changed the game, but didn't help. He's got to shore that up. We've, we saw that earlier in the season, an issue with him. But it appears he's going to come back. You know, I think the, the, the deadline for the transfer portal is tomorrow, so we'll see if anybody else jumps in. Seems like Caleb Brown will be back, and uh, and he's going to have to shore that up because I was going to be relying on him. Um, they just don't have much of a stable of wide receivers, and after the performance they've put up offensively the last couple of years, it's hard to imagine, regardless of what happens with offensive coordinator, regardless of how much uh, Cade McNamara is able to recruit, it's hard to imagine many good athletic wide receivers coming to Iowa until they see changes on the field. And so Caleb Brown is going to be the guy, you know, starting next year and, and hopefully you can shore some of those things up. Um, let's see what other stats is there to look at. Not, not, not a whole lot. Um, the, Hey, they, Iowa really made uh Tennessee's quarterback look good. He was 12 and 19, 151 yards, also had 27 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground, one touchdown through the air. That's a true freshman making his first start. Sure, he's a five-star recruit and all of that. A big-time prospect, expects to be really good for Tennessee moving forward. They're really excited to have him start this game, but Iowa really made him look look really, really good. Iowa's defense, 
Um, for the most part in the second half played really well and, and outside of a couple of drives played well. But they were gassed. Uh, they, they weren't up to the, the challenge of the tempo or the running game that uh, that Tennessee put out there. They The defensive line was manhandled a lot by that, that Tennessee offensive line. Uh, there was certainly some uncalled holds, and these officials had a rough day just in general. I mean, the fact that you don't know it's a tackle early in that game on, on the punt return for Tennessee – you don't blow it dead, even though it's clearly a tackle, and then it takes you several minutes to review it. Uh, it's just kind of annoying. But then Tennessee appears to have fumbled the ball in the red zone later in in the half, and they don't even look at it. I mean, it doesn't even. It's like why? Why even? Anyway, uh, the last Tennessee touchdown felt like it was short of the end zone, um, and they didn't call a hold all day. So. Uh, it is what it is. That's not why Iowa lost. Not even close. Iowa lost uh, because of the same reason Iowa lost all of its games this year. Uh, its offense couldn't do anything. Looking at some team stats, Tennessee 25 first downs, Iowa 11. Third down, Tennessee was just 3 of 12. That's really good for Iowa's defense. Iowa worse, 2 of 15. Um, 383 total yards for Tennessee, 151 through the air. 232 on the ground, and that's where they really were able to just gash Iowa, uh, get some big chunk plays, uh, use that tempo, and and really hurt Iowa's defense. You know, like most of the games that end up like this, the the defense kind of falls apart late. The offense puts the defense in really bad positions, or straight up gives Tennessee points, and so a 35 point day uh, is not what was hung on this defense. But that being said, they they didn't have their best day weren't able to force a turnover um you know just gave up just gave up too much uh, allowed nico yamaliaba that's the only time i'm gonna even try to say it uh just allowed him him too much i want to look through uh just the, the the drive chart just for the heck of it um for iowa on this day and then uh, and then get to those kind of a bunch of screenshotted stats that i grabbed from uh from twitter um, let's see. I was first drive three and out punt lost three yards. The second drive was that 10 play 43 yard drive got down inside the, the five yard line of Tennessee and, uh, really felt like I was going to, you know, draw first blood there. Uh, whether or not they scored a touchdown, um, felt like they were going to that. I mean, obviously that was going to be huge. It would have been the only points I was scored all day, but the bad interception by Deacon Hill in the end zone, uh, ended that a three Play seven yard drive ended in a punt. Next, then another three and out. Lost fourteen yards on this one. Got a first down on the next drive. Five plays, sixteen yards before they punted. Four plays, twenty yards before they punted. And then the one play, seven yards at the end of the first half. Into the second half, we have a three and out, four yards punt. Three and out, four yards punt. Then you have the three play, lost two yards and fumbled the ball on the two yard line. Then you follow that up with a pick six. Then you're law that that's when Marco Linus came in. They had that 13 play 53 yard drive, but uh, ended on a turnover on downs as did their final drive, a turnover on downs after just four plays. It's about as bad as it gets from an offense about as bad as it gets. Um, all right, here's some of the, some of the stats that we saw season stats for Deacon Hill, two rush touchdowns, Five passing touchdowns, eight interceptions, 
11 fumbles, 24 sacks, a 48% completion percentage, and an average of 80 yards per game. Um, that's rough. Now, wins per game, as Kirk Ferentz would like to point out, was better than that. Um, and again, this isn't to pile on Deacon Hill, but 19 turnovers in less than a full season, just seven touchdowns. Uh, it's just, it's unfathomably, unfathomably bad as has Iowa's record or performance against ranked teams this season. And remember this ranked team, now Penn State was a legitimately good team and Michigan is legitimately one of the best teams in the country. This Tennessee team is good, and and Iamali Yaba played well, and they've got a lot of talent and a good coach, and you know the sky's the limit probably for this program. But this was not the ranked team that played all season. They lost twenty four players between opt outs, transfer portals, and whatnot uh, since their final regular season game. So this was an all new Tennessee team. That beat Iowa. So, I mean, it's even even the ranked thing, I think you take with a grain of salt. But 92 to nothing was the combined score of Iowa's games against three ranked teams. 92 to zero. Iowa didn't score a point against a ranked team this year. Oof. Iowa hadn't been shut out since the 2000 season. 23 years without being shut out. They were shut out three times this season. Uh, <laughs> this is just kind of fun from the transfer portal CFB. Uh, point total through 14 games. Hawkeye football, 216 points through 14 games. Uh, through 14 games, Caitlin Clark has scored 432 points. So about double. Uh, Tennessee, let's see. Iowa suffered its worst bowl loss in program history. Worse than the Rose Bowl. That's right. Score-wise, worse than the Rose Bowl. That's hard to believe. Oof. Power 5 team shut out three or more times in one season since the year 2000. You had Iowa this year who went 10-4. and four. The other teams, uh, the best was Baylor in 2002 who went 3-9. and nine. You had a winless Duke team in 06, a couple of two-win Rutgers teams in 16 and 19. Washington State in 2008. This is from Matt Brown, CFB on Twitter. Um, so again, kind of like the offensive stats, you know, Iowa, you know, teams that have averaged 16 points per game do not win games. Teams who get shut out three times in a season do not win games. Iowa somehow found a way to win 10 games this season. Most points allowed to rank teams in a season without scoring since 2000. You had 2001 Rutgers who in two games lost 111 to nothing. 2005 Ball State 94 to nothing in two games. And Iowa this season 92 to nothing in three games. Oh, the punting thing too. Iowa finishes the season with 1,220 more yards punting than gained on offense. More than 1,000 yards punting than offensive yards. Iowa is the only FBS team with more punt yards than offensive yards. So not only, if we had one more punting yard than offensive yard, we'd be the only team to do that. We had 1,200 more punting yards. I guess that's what happens when you have the greatest punter of all time. Oof. Iowa's scoring output over the last 10 quarters. 
whole bunch of zeros except one three, and that was in the fourth quarter against Nebraska. So since halftime of the Nebraska game on Black Friday, yeah, that's right. A, not not even last month, as we say here on January first, more than a month ago, Iowa has scored three points, and that was that game-winning field goal against Nebraska in the fourth quarter on Black Friday. Zero, three, zero, 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 zero in the last 10 quarters. And David Eichholt points out, the last time I was scored an offensive touchdown against a ranked team was October 1st, 2022, when Luke Lachey caught a fourth quarter touchdown against Michigan. And that was in a game that was essentially a blowout already. David points out Iowa could go two calendar years without scoring an offensive touchdown against a ranked foe. Probably will. Probably will. Um, all right, that's that was rough. That's that's enough piling on for, for the moment. All right, so what comes next? Over the next couple of weeks, Kirk Ferentz will finalize his offensive coordinator search. Um, you know, interviews, phone calls, whatever that is, maybe just hire the person he's already, uh, you know, tagged for the job. Um, and that will happen here. Yes. Yeah, as, as he said, sometime late January. So we'll be looking for that. The, the biggest question as it always has been is how much will that make a difference regardless of who it is? I think most likely it's either Paul Christ or Joe Philbin. I don't know, uh, which way it would go between those two. And I really don't know how I feel, uh, if I have a preference between those two. The bottom line is Kirk Ferentz is going to have to let go of this offense and, and let it evolve. Let Cade McNamara do what he does next season, or if it's Marco Linas, for whatever reason, uh, let that happen. You you need to find a quarterback. You need to find a, somebody who can coach these quarterbacks and, and recruit and develop these quarterbacks, but you need to find a system that allows these players to thrive. You need to find an offensive line that can protect a quarterback and open up holes for a running back. Um, this offense is severely broken. Even in the wins, Iowa wasn't able to look good offensively, even when they were close to full strength at the start of the season against not very good teams. Iowa was not able to look good offensively. And so, uh, you know, another year of Cade McNamara, you know, I guess in the system, although the system hopefully is about to change. Uh, you get Luke Lachey back. You've got a stable of running backs back, even if you know Jazz Patterson or somebody like that decides to hit the transfer portal in the next day or so. I'm not really looking at what's happening right now. So, I mean, hell, for all I know, Kirk Ferentz could have come out there and retired. I don't expect that to happen. I think if that was going to happen, he would not have been so demonstrative about uh, you know the future and staying and still having more in the tank and all of that kind of stuff that he's talked about. You know, in the in the several weeks since the end of the regular season. And so uh, you just have to hope for some level of change on this offense because if this defense is able to come back and look good again, um, and we already know that Jay Higgins is coming back. Again, we talked about Luke Lachey coming back. That's fantastic. Uh, he's a huge, huge piece. Um, you just have to have a pretty good offense. It doesn't have to be great. And it doesn't have to be air raid, but it does need to be different. It does need to change. It can't be what we've seen for 25 years under Kirk Ferentz. Um, it, it just doesn't work anymore at this level. It works against your Big Ten West foes. 
Uh, Wisconsin looked like a pretty good team, though, in a loss to LSU today. That doesn't look like a team that's going to play Big Ten West football moving forward. And so even though you're going to have winnable games on the schedule, the, the, the question now becomes what can you do against these these elite teams and elite is even a, a, a word I'm using too broadly there. Tennessee's not elite. I'm not sure Penn state is elite. Michigan is, um, but you're, you're not just losing. You're getting blown out. You're not competing against good teams. And that's, that's the biggest issue. So how will I will address that? How will they fix it? We'll, we'll see that it's yet to be seen. Um, you know, will I will lose anybody else in the transfer portal? I don't know. Will Iowa? Go out and get anybody in the transfer portal. I'm not sure about that either. I saw I heard Brad Heinrichs from uh, the Swarm Collective on WHO radio this morning with uh, Ross Peterson and Travis Justice doing a little pregame for the Citrus Bowl and on the radio. And and he said, you know, they they are going to try to go out and get somebody in the transfer portal, even though there aren't glaring holes and it's not going to be. Um, as splashy probably as it was last off season when you had Cade McNamara and Eric all right away. And you ended up, you know, Seth Anderson and the Caleb Brown one was huge. Um, you know, you had a lot of that. A lot of it right now is retention. And, you know, will some of these other guys come back? Will Sebastian Castro come back? Is there any chance in hell that Cooper DeGene comes back? I don't think so, but you know, crazier things have happened. Um, and so, you know what? It's it, know, it'd be interesting to follow this offseason more than just the offensive coordinator search because I'm worried that that offensive coordinator search won't uh, result in anything drastic. I'm gonna stay optimistic as I try to do, um, but <sighs> sometimes it's hard to do that, especially after a day like this. Uh, some big basketball this week tomorrow night. Iowa is at Wisconsin on the men's side. That's 21st ranked Wisconsin. That's a six o'clock tip. And a big, big spot for Iowa to, you know, after after having a rough uh, week to start Big Ten play and, and play in the Cyhawk game, they at the very least have come back and taken care of business against three non-conference teams, looked better doing it. They look better with uh, Owen Freeman in the starting lineup. And so this is a good Wisconsin team they have to go play, and, and we'll see if they're able to at least keep that competitive uh, tomorrow evening and then Saturday at home against Rutgers. An 11 a.m. game that should be uh, heavily attended, especially if I was able to to kind of compete or you know, God forbid, pull an upset in Madison tomorrow night. And then the Iowa women, fourth ranked at home tomorrow night against Michigan State. That's an eight o'clock tip. I think Iowa has won ten in a row or so. Uh, had the really nice win, uh, really a, a dominant win over Minnesota last week, and um, and then Rutgers. I was at Rutgers Friday. January 5th, I believe that's the Rutgers game that sold out because Caitlin Clark's going to be there and they're going to honor C. Vivian Stringer, which will be cool. Uh, I'll probably do some sort of post-game, post-podcast at some point tomorrow or this following week. Uh, But that's about all I have in me at the moment. Uh, I appreciate you listening. And hey, as always, go Hawks. (laughs) 